Welcome to the Build and Beyond podcast. This is where we share trends and knowledge and cool tools that just might help take some bricks off your back. If you're looking for insight into the built and natural environment, and well, beyond, this is the place. If you're in the federal space and want to drive innovation, we have some thoughts. Transportation, asset management, water infrastructure concerns keeping you up at night? We have guests who'll talk about that too. We're all in this together, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Beneficial Use of Dredge Materials episode of the Built and Beyond podcast. Today, we're discussing the intricacies of dredging and the significance of beneficial use of dredge material. We'll delve into our team's extensive knowledge in dredging and explore the industry's advancements. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Christian Perkinson and Justin Bartusik. Can each of you give us a brief introduction about your background and expertise related to today's topic? Kristen, we'll start with you. Thank you, Jeff. It's wonderful to be here. Um, I currently serve as Atkins Realis's Coastal Practice Director, and I personally bring over two decades of applied coastal engineering experience to the discussion. My experience spans dredging and sediment management, coastal infrastructure, and beach restoration projects. I'm dedicated to coastal improvements which are grounded in holistic sustainable practices, including achieving a balance on every project based on sustainability's triple bottom line, which includes environmental, economic, and social benefits. Um, Over to you, Justin. Thanks, Kristen and Jeff. Pleasure to be here. I have eight years dedicated to the field. My journey has been deeply rooted in the dredging industry. My expertise lies not just in the mechanics of dredging, but in leveraging this process for beneficial use. This involves a nuanced understanding of how dredge material can serve purposes beyond mere disposal, and I have been heavily involved in the design and analysis of navigation and beneficial use dredging projects. This includes planning and implementing strategies for marsh restoration, which not only rehabilitates natural habitats, but also utilizes dredge material as a resource rather than a waste. My work often involves complex decision-making about how and where dredge material can be most effectively utilized, whether that be beach nourishment, habitat creation, or even as construction film. This effort requires close collaboration with our team of environmental scientists, as well as regulatory agencies, to ensure that the beneficial use of dredge material aligns with environmental sustainability and regulatory compliance. Back to you, Jeff. All right. Well, thanks for those introductions. Let's dive right in. Before we get to the beneficial reuse of dredge material, let's start off with dredging in general. What are the pressing challenges and current trends in the dredging industry? Justin, you want to start us off? Yeah. So as you said, Jeff, maintaining navigation is a critical element in supporting a stable economy by getting goods to the consumer at a feasible price. The Army Corps maintains over a thousand channels comprising of over 13,000 miles of waterway. And on an annual basis, that equates to roughly 210 million cubic yards of dredged material being dredged through the core. Uh, to put this in another terms, that equates to roughly a football field filled of material roughly 19 miles high. So with ships growing larger and, and drafts getting deeper, uh, and then we also introduce the highly dynamic nature of the coastal and riverine systems, really brings a complex challenge of how we can keep these channels open for these vessels to access the ports. Some additional challenges that involve maintaining or deepening these channels include the, you know, the lack of space of where dredge material can be placed after material has been dredged, uh, what, what environmental concerns 
and impacts can be incurred from dredging projects. Uh, what's what's the actual industry cost to complete the projects themselves? Uh, sustainability. Uh, you know, we're exploring opportunities of how we can reuse this dredge material. Well, regulatory concerns. Uh, how complex are the policies that the regulatory agencies are overseeing in the project area? And last but not least, uh, public concerns. Uh, these challenges or project elements require proper managing of dredge materials and in an environmentally friendly, but cost-effective and sustainable manner, all, all while supporting the goals and needs of our clients. Well, that's some great information, Justin. Well, let's talk about some of those challenges, um, which is sustainability, more specifically, exploring opportunities for reuse of dredge material. Kristen, what are some more sustainability efforts that are being made in the industry and how are we involved? Sure. Well, historically, what we've referred to as dredge spoils were often disposed of in nearby landfills or offshore disposal sites. And while dredge sediment has been utilized for beneficial purposes as far back as we can document, it's not a consistent or widespread practice. In fact, the Army Corps recently estimated that roughly 30% of dredge volume in the U.S. has historically been beneficially reused. Um, that reuse is for a wide array of applications, everything from construction materials to beach nourishment, enhancing flood protection, and even creating habitats. But despite the rich history of successful projects that have utilized dredge material, um, again, it's not common practice. And this is partially due to environmental regulations that have made sediment disposal more intricate and costly, um, especially when it comes to constructing new dredge material placement facilities. So with that said, encouraging the expansion of beneficial reuse is critical, especially as we look to the future. Many areas are reaching capacity in terms of dredge material placement options, and open water placement faces increased scrutiny. Um, societal pressures, regulatory challenges, and spatial constraints make the options of open water disposal and the permitting and construction of new facilities increasingly difficult and expensive. So going back to the Army Corps, they recently announced an ambitious goal to beneficially reuse 70% of material by the year 2030. And this is a clear signal to us that the Army Corps is prioritizing environmental stewardship and sustainability in their operations. So identifying barriers and finding ways to surmount them is now essential for expanding these opportunities. At Atkins Realis, we continue to stay active in the industry to understand demand. And more importantly, we continue to work with our clients to understand their needs and proactively look for how to use the material beneficially. Um, as an example, back in 2016, we completed a project in Houston, Texas, we were able to introduce two different clients who both had a need the other could fill, with one having material and the other needing it. In the end, the project went on to win two environmental dredging awards. We pride ourselves in being active with our clients, which consist of public entities from local all the way up to federal agencies, um, and it, including working with the private sector. So as we immerse ourselves into their world, their challenges and projects become ours. We work to make sure projects are completed on time and on budget with the excitement of working in this tight niche industry. That's very informative, Kristen. Based on your experience, what are some of the challenges in implementing beneficial use projects and how are they being addressed? Certainly, Jeff. Uh, when we talk about barriers to expanding the beneficial use of dredge material, they broadly fall into three categories, um, which first includes technical barriers, 
These can be quite diverse, and our goal is to match those needing dredge material with those disposing of it and also ensuring compatibility. Um, that's, that's the technical barrier at its core. Sometimes the physical properties of the dredge material don't align with the requirements for its intended use. There could also be discrepancies between the volume of dredged material available and the volume needed for a project. Um, contamination could be another concern if present. It might necess necessitate removal before use. Additionally, the distance between where the dredging occurs and where the material could be beneficially reused could be a logistical challenge. Um, so in addition to technical barriers, we have economic barriers. Um, that might include the cost associated with beneficial use versus disposal, which can vary significantly based on site-specific conditions. Um, factors that influence cost could include characteristics and volume of the dredge material. Again, the location and capacity of the disposal facilities, the transportation required for the dredge material, um, and even the productivity of the treatment facilities involved. So all of these factors can impact the financial feasibility of the project. And then lastly, we have institutional barriers, which can be quite complex. Um, these include state and federal regulations, intricate cost-sharing and funding barriers, and also public perception. So overcoming these barriers requires us to use a multifaceted approach involving technical innovation, economic feasibility studies, and improved coordination with regulatory agencies. Public education and stakeholder engagement then becomes key to gaining wider acceptance for these beneficial reuse projects. Justin, dredging often gets a bad reputation. Can you talk about the um, impacts of dredging? Is it always negative? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I would say the answer is no. You know, the narrative around dredging has really shifted in the last decade or so. It's no longer about disposal, but more about adding the value, or adding value to the the dredge material to the eco ecosystem. Today, you know, it's about the ecological contribution rather than the mere disposal or waste of the material. Projects like beach nourishment and wetland restorations highlight this shift, and our, our projects really undergo a, a rigorous environmental assessment to ensure that these minimal impacts are being implemented on these projects. Okay, now let's dive into some real-world applications of these concepts. Uh, Justin, you're involved in several intriguing projects where beneficial use of dredge materials played a pivotal role. Can you enlighten us on some of these case studies and their outcomes? Specifically, really interested in hearing about Brevard Muck, Prime Hook, San Jacinto, and the Plantation Island projects. Yeah, certainly, Jeff. Yeah, I think these are a lot of our projects that we pride ourselves on. Brevard County, uh, just some back knowledge on that. Residents voted on a half-cent sales tax to create our Save Our Indian River Lagoon organization, which is focused on improving degraded water quality contributed by a large influx of nutrients over the past six decades. It, there has been an allocation of funds strictly dedicated to removing muck material within the lagoon. And if you don't know what muck is, it's this highly organic, nutrient-rich substrate that is a leading contributor to algal blooms in the lagoon. So we're working with the county to remove and treat this dredge material as well as the water uh, to further remove those nutrients contributing to these blooms. And one of the biggest challenges that we're having is where can we put this material? You know, being that it's highly organic, it's not really suitable for construction fill material, putting large structures on. Uh, but being that it's nutrient rich, it could be used as a potential fertilizer under 
certain conditions. Uh, one of the biggest obstacles that we're seeing right now is, you know, salt content. This is a, a brackish water system. So using the muck for an upland non-salt tolerant type of ecosystem uh, really has to be fully vetted to make sure that we're applying in the right application. Um, to kind of give some further background, you know, the materials across multiple projects has been used uh, for upland film, or excuse me, upland landfill material. The county themselves are creating parks out of the material that's being dredged from the lagoon. But we're also trying placing the material in agricultural uh, fields where we're seeing a real positive response in terms of the vegetation wanting to flourish after that material has been placed. In, and that's a lot we really contributed to the, the amount of nutrients that are contained within, within the muck. Another project that I wanted to shed light, some more light on, uh, Kristen touched on it, which was a, a project in Texas. Uh, which was the San Jacinto Bayou Bayou restoration. This project dated back to 2016. Uh, where we were able to, as Kristen mentioned, introduce two clients to one another, one that had the dredge material and the other that really needed that material. And what was really cool about it is we came up with a unique design that was able to achieve the project schedule of the client who needed to get rid of the material while being able to hit critical design elevations of the client that was in need of that material. And what was further special about this project is that we were able to restore a historic battleground that was a wetland back when the battle occurred. Um, and this battle occurred during the, the Texas Revolutionary War in the early 1800s. So really cool to be a part of something of that, that nature. Uh, another project I wanted to kind of share was our Plantation Island water quality improvement project. Uh, Plantation Island is a small town that's located in Southwest Florida, adjacent to Everglades city. Uh, we had the experience, they had experience, excuse me, a, a large influx of silt sediment that clogged up their, the navigable waterways as a result of Hurricane Irma in 2017. These canals uh, really began to experience some de degradation in water quality as a result of the, the their canals being clogged with the sediment. And we investigated, conducted data collection analysis, and conducted hydrographic models, excuse me, to come up with an optimal design to restore the navigation, but also improve the flow of the system to achieve a better water quality. Again, you know, probably the biggest challenge that we're going to see with this project is where does that dredge material go? Uh, this project's still in the design, so we're looking at trying to reuse the material for fill to raise undeveloped properties within the community as a storm resilient uh, purpose. Uh, another option, unfortunately, is taking it to a landfill, but the closest landfill for this project is, is 30 miles away. So, and that's just in one direction. So keeping the material on site is actually more optimal financially, but also environmentally from a lot of aspects. So each of these projects really present a, a unique scenario uh, where we were able to beneficially use the dredge material not only to address the environmental challenges, but also enhance the ecosystem. Okay, well, let's talk a little deeper at how we address the concerns and needs of communities impacted by dredging. Justin, you speak to our approach in engaging and informing the public? Yeah, probably, probably the biggest thing is community engagement, and it's in the heart of all of our projects. From, from the beginning, we begin to involve the public, educating them on the benefits and the potential impacts of these dredging projects. 
our outreach efforts are designed to not only build trust and transparency with our clients, but also the community and the public themselves. A great example is that city of our Indian River Lagoon projects that are being conducted in Brevard County, where we're, we're not just removing the nutrient-rich muck, but we're also ensuring responsible treatment processes, as well as trying to use the material beneficially, all while trying to keep the public perception really positive, um, given that it's, you know, that it is taxpayer money. Certainly, Jeff. Our unique value lies in our ability to deliver tailored, innovative, and sustainable solutions. We don't just manage dredge materials. Uh, we transform them into opportunities for development and ecological restoration. Um, our strength lies in our relationships with regulatory agencies, and we strive for projects that are not just successful, but also positively impact the environment. Um, so now that we're wrapping up, Jeff, how do we do? Do you feel like you have a good understanding of beneficial reuse of dredge material? Well, I think that was a fantastic overview, and I think we have a much better idea of both what beneficial reuse is, where the industry's going, and how Atkins Realis, um, you know, provides our clients and the environments, um, the environment of better, um, you know, better outcomes. Great. Well, I want to thank our experts for their insightful contributions. To our listeners, remember, innovative, sustainable solutions for dredging are not just possible, they're happening. We're at the forefront, transforming challenges into opportunities, ensuring our projects are not just on time and on budget, but also contribute positively to our environment and communities. Until next time, keep building and going beyond. Thank you for tuning in.